Hello, I'm Rachel Lyman. We want to welcome you to Interfaith Connection, a Spiritual Life Center monthly podcast dedicated to the exploration of faith traditions that promote love. Our study will allow us to build bridges of understanding, acceptance, love, and peace. My partner in so many ways on this journey is Rev. Dave Lyman. He's our Senior Minister for Interfaith Explorers. He's an ordained interfaith minister and my beloved husband. As we start our second year, we continue our grand adventure of exploring interfaith. We're so excited you have joined us today. So buckle up for our 2022 adventure with today's podcast. Today, we have another podcast looking at two other faith traditions, uh, Confucianism and Taoism. Uh, Dave and I did some uh, research uh, on these two and uh, found some very interesting results from it. So um, we're going to start off today with uh, Dave talking uh, about Confucianism, and then um, I'll talk about Taoism, and then the two of us together at the end will talk about Um, what this means in today's world. So Dave, would you like to start, please? So let me take a few minutes. And let me say that these two faith traditions that we studied were two of the most difficult we've ever worked with. Uh, Confucianism is a system of thought originating in ancient China. It's also called Ruism or Ru Classicism. It's actually a tradition of philosophy and a way of life. It was developed from the teachings of the Chinese philosopher Confucius, who lived from 551 to 479 BCE. Houston Smith, the great author on world religions, had a good question in his book. He said, is Confucianism a religion or is it an ethic? It approaches the subject from a different angle than any other religion. It looks at personal conduct and moral order. You know, Confucius considered himself an educator. He considered himself a transmitter of cultural values. He was basically a teacher and a tutor who was very humble. He was quoted as saying, how dare I allow myself to be taken as a sage? It may rather be said of me that I strive to become such a thing without ceasing. During various dynasties, the movement has been suppressed, but a revival developed in response to Buddhism and Taoism. And the work ethic has been credited with the rise of the East Asian economy, because this is based a lot on Chinese. The core of Confucianism is Confucianism is humanist. (laughs) Okay, my mouth isn't working really well. The core of Confucianism is humanistic, particular emphasis on the importance of family, social harmony, the value of ancestors. It starts with the fact that we're fundamentally good and teachable, improvable and predictable through self-culture, cultivation, through discipline, through virtue, through doing the right thing in a morally organized world. It's the ability to see what is right and fair, 
Traditionally, cultures and countries in East Asia are strongly influenced with Confucianism, including China, Taiwan, Korea, Japan, and Vietnam. Today, it's credited with shaping East Asian societies and overseas Chinese communities. In 2015, a national Holy Confucian Church in China was established to unify all the separate congregations and organizations. Traditionally, Confucius was thought to be the editor and author of five classics, which are the basic texts of Confucianism. The five classics are the I Ching, which is the classic of change and was the earliest, the classic of poetry or book of songs, the book of documents or the book of history, which has the speeches of major figures and records of events, the book of rights, which describes social forms, administration, and the rights. And finally, spring and autumn annuals, which chronicle the period to which it gives its name. These books make up the collective memory. Confucianism revolves around the pursuit of the unity of the individual and the God in heaven. And that principle of heaven is in order, as in moral and divine authority. We realize the oneness of the order may be extended to family and all society. And Confucianism expresses itself in the widespread worship of five entities. Heaven and earth, the sovereign of the government, ancestors and masters. So that the universe creates itself out of a primary chaos and in that creation, there's continuous moving toward order. The yin and yang are visible and invisible, the receptive and the active, the unshaped and the shape. It works with the inner and outer polarities, and it is all about doing the right thing. But it is very much ethics-based. Tian is a key concept of Confucianism, and it refers to the God in heaven. It is the spinning stars, the earthly nature, and the laws from heaven. He uses the term in a mystical way. And Confucius said that people who understand the Tian provide him with a special, they are provided with a special place in the universe. The God of Confucianism is not a personal God, but speaks through the rhythm of nature and communicates. All the ethical codes need to be practiced by the members of the society and are the promotion of virtues. The virtues are five constants. The five constants are benevolence and humanness, righteousness and justice, propriety and rights, wisdom and knowledge, and sincerity and faithfulness. But among the five constants are four virtues, which are loyalty, filial piety, continence, and righteousness. Confucius has said, 
It is not to do unto others as you would not wish to have done to you. There are no rights. There is no organism. There is no leadership. It is all about doing what is right. Since the 2000s, there's been a growing identification of the Chinese intellectual class of Confucianism. In 2003, the Confucian Intellectual Manifesto had four suggestions about their education system. One, that the state should establish Confucianism as the state religion. This is in China. Two, that the Confucian religion should enter the daily life of everybody. Three, that the Confucian religion should spread through non-government organizations. And four, that each person should take it on in a deeper way. In 2005, the Center for the Study of Confucian Religion was established and started to be implemented in public school in China. And the revival continues. So let's summarize. There's a huge debate. Confucius' thoughts on ethics, good behavior, and moral character, written down by his disciples in several books, are the most important part of the philosophy. But the debate is even in Confucianism, is it a religion? It's best studied as an ethical guide to life and living with strong character. It began as a revival. There are no Confucian gods. And Confucian himself, Confucius himself, sorry, is worshiped as a spirit rather than a god. The interesting part is there are a number of, number of temples of Confucianism where important community and civic rituals happen, but they are social in nature. The main idea of this philosophy is the importance of having good moral character, which will affect the world. In fact, the religion, this faith tradition, this ethic, states that natural disasters and conflict are a result of straying from these ancient teachings. Moral character is achieved through being humanistic and following each of the things. Confucius believed in the importance of education, the devotion to the family, ancestor worship. The family unit was the most important group. After the death of Confucius, several of his disciples compiled his wisdom and carried on his work. And he remains one of the most influential philosophers in China. The difficulty in doing the research on this is the factual data is all over the board. And it's unclear what is actually true facts. There are estimated to be over 3,000 temples in existence. In Hong Kong, the very, there was a bill in 2013 
that actually took money from the Hong Kong city, proposed by the Confucian Academy, and they built a temple. It's very difficult to get an accurate figure of how many people practice this. The range is between 10 million people and over 300 million people. But it appears that the number is between 3 and 6% of the world population. Even in Sacramento, there appears to be some confusion about Confucius. There appears to have been a Chinese-American Confucius group since 1908. There's a temple listed at 915 4th Street, but there's no website for the organization, and the temple is a social structure. But doesn't that fit in this ethical way of living? It's not a religion. It's a culture that is typically Chinese-based. There are no clergy. It does not teach a belief in a deity or a life after death. And when you talk about the books of Confucius, there are four classics. They're the most widely read and highly held scriptures in existence. Actually, there are four books and five classics. And I talked about them earlier. The first, the classic of history. The second, the classic of odes. The third, the classic of changes. The fourth, that spring and autumn annuals. And the fifth, the Li Qing, the classic of rites. The four books are called the Analects, the Doctrine of the Mean, the Great Learning, and the Mencius. Thus, we come to a point where after all the research that we've done, we're not sure we know a lot more about this wondrous faith tradition. So part of the program from my end, and I think Rachel may echo that, is that if you are a follower of Confucius and Confucianism, we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to learn about your presence in the community. We'd love to learn about how your faith tradition lives life in the modern world. So don't hesitate to get a hold of us. And there'll be contact information given at the end of the program. And Rachel, that's about everything I've got. I'm confused about Confucianism. Well, um, thank you for that, Dave. And thank you for your honest um, interpretation of everything. Uh, it's interesting. This is the first time I've heard you talk about your, what you found in your research. And many of the phrases you used are very similar uh, in thought to Taoism, which is what I'm going to talk about next. Give just a very brief outline of some of the things about Taoism. And then in the end, we'll talk about some other aspects of both of these uh, ethical humanistic behaviors. There we go. <laughs> so Taoism, uh, if you see the word T as in tomato, A-O-I-S-M, 
That is Taoism. It's, it's pronounced with a D as in dog, uh, not a T as in tomato. It's not Taoism, it's Taoism. So we want to clear that up at the very beginning. So the original writings uh, about uh, the beliefs of the Taoism were written in the late fourth century. And is not, again, is not defined like Confucianism as an organized religion, but rather it consists of a combination of teachings about how to live life based on a, a variety of original revelations that came forth. And the yin-yang symbol, if you look at the Wanda symbol, the yin-yang is on there. And that kind of is a, a symbol which represents Taoism. And that symbol originated in the 10th century. And it's thought that the universe creates, that yin-yang symbol talks about the fact that the universe creates itself out of a primary chaos, of material energy. And then it organizes in the cycles of yin and yang, um, ultimately being formed into objects and lives. Yin is the receptive part, and yang is the active principle. The yin and yang are seen in all forms of change and difference, such as the annual season changes in the seasons, natural landscapes, and formation of both men and women, and social political history. I'm not sure what all that means, but a lot of our research uh, has all these grandiose words, so um, sorry that it's not uh, down in a more uh, eas easily understandable language. A lot of the research we've done is from the internet and also Houston Smith's Illustrated World Religion book. And in his book, uh, Houston Smith uh, defines Taoism as a, a, something that originated with a man named Lao Tzu, that's T is in tomato, Z is in zebra, U. That's the last name. The first name is L-A-O. Most of what is known about Lao Tzu comes from legends. So they're not even sure about what is written, just like Confucianism, so much is there and we're not even sure any of it is correct or what is correct. Well, uh, Confucius actually heard about Lao Tzu and he went to see him. He was very curious about him. So when he went to see him, he found a man who was larger than life and very mysterious, but he was very impressed with him. Unfortunately, when he found Lazu, uh, Lazu was not a happy man. He was very unhappy because the people he was uh, talking with uh, just did not cultivate the natural goodness that he advocated at the time. So he's kind of fed up and with his people and decided to leave the country. So he mounted a large water buffalo and rode off. And one of the images that we'll have on our uh, PR blurb is uh, the image of Lao Tzu on that water buffalo. So when Lao Tzu reached the border of this country, there was a, someone there asked him, please, please don't leave. Please turn back. But Lao Tzu said, no, I'm leaving. And but he says, well, listen, before you leave, can you at least write down um, your beliefs for the civilization you were leaving? Because 
we feel a very it's very important. So Laos Zhu said, okay, I'll do that. So for three days, he uh, took time to write down his thoughts. And it all, all those thoughts ended up in one of the major books of Taoism called the Tao Te Ching. The Tao is T-A-O, uh, is equivalent to the way or the, the universal spirit. Te, T-E means uh, uh, is, and Ching is power. So the sacred texts of the Tao Taoism are definitely the Tao Te Ching book, which was Lao Tzu's writings. There's also another book called Zhuangzi, that's Z-H-U-A-N-G-Z-I, sorry about pronunciation, and there are writings in there also. And I found in the research uh, quite a few other books, which like Dave, it was very confusing for me to figure out which of those uh, writings were important and which weren't. So some of the basic precepts of Taoism are, there's supposedly three powers, a philosophical power, an augmented power, and a religious uh, power part of Taoism. And the philosophical uh, provides programs for increasing one's own chi, C-H apostrophe I, is called chi, and that represents universal energy. Uh, and this is the object. Uh, for a person, you're supposed to align your chi with your daily life so that everything is in balance and, and um, flows. And then there's an augmented power. And some of that research in the Houston Smith book was a little confusing, but they talked about people doing yoga eating healthy and taking care of their bodies, incorporating the chi, that li a vital life force into their own bodies every day in their living. And then the last part of uh, religious Taoism, um, there are some priests that uh, do uh, rituals and rites with the ordinary people to help them heal and um, uh, process things. So the Taoists believe that humans and animals are supposed to live in balance and harmony with the Tao, D-A-T-A-O. That's the way, it's the universal balance, I guess. So the way is the source of everything and the ultimate principle underlying reality. It draws its foundations from the school of naturalists with main elements like the yin and yang. Some of the things the Taoist focuses on are genuineness, longevity, health, vitality. And as far as after death, they, have, they believe in what they call spiritual immortality. And that means when the spirit of the body, when you die, the spirit of the body joins the universe after death. So you, you keep living, your spirit keeps living. And Taoists also have another practice they call Wu Wei, that's W-U-W-E-I. And W-U means without, and W-E-I means action. So that what that means is without action. So in other words, if there's something going on in the universe, you as a Taoist are not supposed to interrupt with the balance of the flow of the universe. So you practice Wu Wei, 
non-action, not to disturb the natural flow of nature. Also, as a person, you're not supposed to be aggressive. You're not supposed to start any wars or believe in capital punishment. And you're supposed to practice simplicity and living and refuse to uh, assert authority. Um, you want to protect people, but not uh, start fights with them. So about holy days, well, there's no really like a Sunday holy day for Taoists Taoist that I could find. Um, and any of the special days that they consider special are all attached to astronomical-based uh, dates. For instance, the solstice and that sort of thing, they, they would reserve uh, observe that. Uh, as far as deities, uh, I'm not even going to talk about that because Dave came up with a whole bunch of deities on naming eight or nine of them. And I have no idea <laughs> what that's all about. Um, so I'm just going to pass over that so as not to be confusing to everybody and myself as well. <clears throat> do they have priests or a clergy? Well, they do. They have, there are priests in Taoist, the Taoist culture, <clears throat> excuse me, and they're ordained as clergymen. And um, they do represent the Taoist culture uh, on a professional basis. And they also practice uh, <clears throat> some magic, uh, some um, exorcisms and rites and rituals. And um, there are some what they call <clears throat> freelance wizards out there and shamans. Uh, and they harness uh, higher powers for to help people get through things and um, heal through things and so forth. Um, so I think that's all I'm going to talk about right now as far as what I found for the basics of Taoism. And then um, da, uh, Dave and I are going to... Uh, Take a look at and just kind of talk about um, if I were a Taoist and he was a Confucius, uh, what would that look like in today's world? And what are some of the questions we can answer or try to answer regarding that? So um, the first one of the first questions, uh, and, and, I, and I will reiterate what Dave said, if there anybody is anybody listening who practices Taoism or knows of a community somewhere, please uh, contact us at interfaith at slcworld.org. That's interfaith at slcworld.org. Send us a, some information. We'd be glad to talk to you and further our own uh, understanding of these two faith, these two ethical ways of living. So Dave, do you want to um, start maybe just to have like a back and forth conversation and see what we have on, um, and, and as far as your Confucianist and my Taoist uh, uh, ideas or precepts, uh, how, are, how are we supposed to behave? I mean, as, as we probably can figure it out, but how would you think your, um, your people are supposed to behave as in society? We would do the right thing. You would do the right thing. And well, remember that these these are two organizations, two gatherings, two ethical precepts. Remember that some of the languaging about the Tao says, in order to know the Tao, one must not speak about the Tao. 
So that's a circle into the unknown. It's as essence says and implies the only way you get to know the Tao is to live it. You can't preach it. And so it's much the same way with the Confucius ways. It is you educate through the holy books the right way to do things. And the right way is very traditional. It's family-oriented. It's ancestor-oriented. It is uh, filial piety, which is the love of, of the father. Um, and so it's just traditional up and down the line. Uh, which fits really well if you stop to think about it, because we're talking about a society in China that's one of the oldest in the world, and tradition has always been very important there. And I'd like to get, continue on with that on, on how how uh, Taoists are supposed to behave too. Is I do have a copy of the Tao Te Ching, and what I found it found is when I opened it up. It's just uh, little paragraphs of uh, words of wisdom, uh, and it's not really uh, identified as to what it's talking about, but you kind of can figure it out as you're reading. So I, I, I think when I answer some of these uh, in our back and forth section, I'm going to quote uh, from the Tao Te Ching. And so here's a couple of quotes about uh, how, how I'm supposed to be as a person. So uh, I think you should go ahead and quote from the Tao. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> By the way, this is Reverend Dave Lyman. For those I didn't introduce you properly, and I apologize, who is an interfaith minister and also my beautiful, beloved husband. So how, how for behavior. Notice uh, that you almost said beautiful, everyone. <laughs> almost said beautiful. Well, you are beautiful. Uh, express yourself completely. Then keep quiet. I like that. <laughs> Open yourself to the Tao. Then trust your natural responses and everything will fall into place. Also, whoever is stiff and inflexible is a disciple of death. Oh, that's pretty serious. Read that again. Whoever is stiff and inflexible is a disciple of death. Now, see, I would want to know what is being stiff and inflexible mean? Well, the, it, the phrase continues on. Maybe this will answer. Whoever is soft and yielding is a disciple of life. The hard and stiff will be broken. The soft and supple will prevail. And if you start to think about it, this was actually led by a leader who got really upset because no one was following him. So he got on his water buffalo and left. So I think he was he was having problems with the people not being soft. Right. I think he uh, he came to a point where he was hard and stiff and he was broken. So he left. And, and not to make light of it, it's just very interesting that the terminology is in both of these ethical faith traditions is much about the study of life and isn't really clarifying. I'm reminded of a time when Michael Moran was interviewing a Buddhist monk. And he said, I understand that all your life you guys do studies and take classes to learn about life. 
And he said to the Buddhist monk, what are you studying nowadays? And the Buddhist monk grinned at him and said, well, I am studying forgiveness. And Michael said to him, well, how long have you been studying that? And the Buddhist monk looked out at the service and said, 35 years. <laughs> That's much about the same kind of thing as we go through this. And it implies the Tao. You don't speak of the Tao. You live the Tao. You dive into it. It's like the fifth precept of unity. It's not enough just to educate. You have to understand. Right. And now, so Confucianism and Taoism talk about the Tao, which is a universal energy. And the next question would have been, what is a Taoist relationship with the Tao? And we, all, we already sort of answered that. A Taoist, for me, uh, would honor the Tao, but not try to name it. I could call it a, the Tao, but I can't try to describe it because it's incomprehensible. And um, uh, so, and then it's it's and then the the uh, uh, relationship where spiritual beings connected to the Tao, and when our bodies die, our spirits go back to the Tao. So it's almost a unit. It feels like a unity principle to me. Well, it's very close if you stop to think about it. One of the things in in deepened philosophy is that if we give a name to God. We put okay. limits on God. Right. That really God in this uh, this ethical consideration of how to live life is so much bigger than words. It's a way to do it. Right. And there's how how are we how do we how can we possibly think that we understand God, you know, or or, or can define God. When we're most of our lives, we're just getting little snippets of understanding, really, uh, as we go through and have experiences. So it's almost like, uh, okay, God, I'm going to define you. And he's up there loud. He or she is up there laughing. So, well, it's like the human fallibility of trying to give advice. I believe giving advice is the highest form of insanity. Yeah, it is. <laughs> So the next question is, how, how do we treat others? And when we were talking about our, our respective um, ideas about Confucianism and Taoism, we probably touched on that. But for, uh, for me, of course, uh, one of the things, I, and I'll reiterate, is to be a protector of people and not uh, aggressive, uh, be more compassionate, um, uh, be, be trustworthy. Um, and don't feel like you need to prove something to anybody. Just, uh, um, it, it says here, the Tao, the Tao or Taoist person nourishes by not forcing and by not dominating. So that's, that's, we want to be with others in that, um, in that way. And in Confucianism, the sage or the wise one is a very difficult place to attain. Um, Confucius believed that social disorder 
stem with the failure to perceive and understand reality. And in fact, was thought to be a continuation of the Chinese Aboriginal religion, that he was actually expanding upon that. Um, and so he was, he was really working with the values of compassion for each other and tradition to society. Tradition to society. Right. And, and uh, also uh, the Taoist, I found, uh, talks about um, when you're trying to lead people, if you govern it, the quote is, if you govern the people, you must place yourself below them. If you want to lead the people, you must learn to follow them. That's a great line. And to also uh, teach only three things, simplicity, patience, and compassion. So there's the same kind of humbleness there as there was with Confucius. Yeah. So the next uh, question area is, uh, um, in, in living in today's 2022 world climate as a Confucianist person or a Taoist, what do you feel is the primary mission of, of your ethical behavior and how would you go about fulfilling this mission? It goes back to the basic golden rule of Confucianism. Do not do unto others what you would not want others to do unto you. So uh, it's, it's living your life with compassion, admiring and turning to your ancestors, knowing that family is the basic foundational value, working with moral character and good behavior. And much of this is clarified and deepened in the books, whether it be uh, the I Ching or the books of classics or the Analects, whatever it is, these holy books talk about different ways to live. Yeah, and again, for the Taoists, because we have a, a huge climate change and environmental pollution and so forth happening in our world, um, the Taoists would be concerned uh, about the universe and um, honor it and not try to um, upset things like, um, for example, um, over for over uh, foresting where we, we uh, in Africa where they cut too many trees down and, and, and all over the world where trees were too many trees were cut down and the land was ruined and, 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 you know, overfishing over whatever, polluting, throwing things in the environment and the air and so forth. So all of that would be a concern for the Taoists to allow for a natural flow in the universe, but also um, being responsible personally to live healthy and that living healthy also includes recycling and, you know, doing um, what we can as individuals to stay healthy and live healthy lives and not uh, add to the um, global uh, breakdown and be honest with others. I'm sure Taoists are, are environmental conservationists for sure. 
uh, because they honor the environment. Um, and here's a quote. Here's a quote I'd like to read. The Tao is great. The universe is great. The earth is great. And man is great. These are the four great powers. Man follows the earth. Earth follows the universe. The universe follows the Tao. And the Tao follows only itself. And if powerful men and women remain centered in the Tao, all things would become harmonious, the world would become a paradise, and all people would be at peace, and the law would be written in their hearts. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Amen. <laughs> that's a way to live right there. Yeah. So um, so I think that's an answer. Uh, these uh, ethical ways of living certainly have answers, very simple answers that um, most of us already know about. We're just not doing it. We're not all doing it. And from the side of Confucius, it's about harmony. But if the the statements you've made in the last couple of minutes, pure Confucianism. So they're, they're very, you can see why Confucius would love um, Lao Tse, because they're very much alike. That's what, when I was listening to you give your uh, talk on Confucianism, I couldn't believe. Um, it's certainly, um, and it, it, it's interesting that they never met uh, prior to when uh, Lao Tzu decided to leave. <laughs> but he took three days to write his writings down and, and uh, Confucian also uh, has the same, very similar uh, ideas and um, maybe Confucius maybe has just, maybe Confucius has maybe just a little more patience because <laughs> he, he didn't write off on a buffalo water buffalo huh? yeah so I th I think uh, uh, we've probably covered unless you have a uh, closing statement or anything I no I'm not the closer. Okay, well, I'm going to close. <laughs> um, unless you think we have any other questions we need to. Well, we, look we at. really, again, want to make a plea because we have spent multiple hours, many, many hours doing research on this. And one of the things that helps clarify it is to talk to someone who practices this. Now, it's very difficult for either of us when we're working with two organizations that don't have organizations. So if you are a practicing Taoist or Confucianist, please contact us at interfaith at slcworld.org because we'd like to talk to you and maybe perhaps talk to you and have you make some more presentations in addition to what we've done thus far. And now I turn it over to my beloved uh, Chief Operating Officer, the coup, <laughs> Rachel Arnold. Thank you, Dave. And uh, absolutely. And one of the things you and I both learned, and I'm sure your li our listeners are going, oh, that's interesting, that we found that Confucianism and Taoism are very much alike. You know, despite all of the technical, 
the statistics and the data and the books and all that, but their basic ideas are very similar. And also there's a golden rule. Give me a break. <laughs> and didn't we all grow up as Christians learning the golden rule, do unto others. So it's, it's been around in every faith tradition we can imagine. And I just will put a, uh, before I close out to, um, if you haven't seen our last, uh, our July newsletter, uh, the August one will be coming out uh, soon. We have a spotlight on Arizona movement, Arizona interfaith movement, who has taken on the golden rule in all faith traditions as a a beautiful document that you can actually get uh, and look at. And um, I'm sure Taoism is on there with the golden rule because in every faith tradition and every language, it's all the same. Be kind to others. So we will leave you with that. And please stay tuned next month for another. We have something in mind for you already. Uh, it'll be a surprise. I don't want to tell you ahead of time because we'll get every that way you'll hopefully listen in and we um, say that we hope that you either practice some of these Taoist and Confucianist ideas in your own life send out peace be compassionate and keep building those bridges of understanding so thank you so much for listening and namaste Thank you for joining us today to experience and explore a deeper understanding of our interfaith look at the world. Our Interfaith Connection podcasts are aired on the fourth Thursday of each month on Spiritual Life Center's website. You can also find them on your internet provider on the Podbean app. We want to hear from you, so send any comments, questions, or suggestions about our podcast to interfaith at slcworld.org. That's interfaith at slcworld.org. Because we want to know about your interfaith heart. As I close, let us all remember the words of Gandhi when he said, a peaceful exploration of all faith is our sacred duty. Namaste.